You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we have made it to episode 10. Ooh, we're in double gi- digits now. Right? I mean, because I see like a lot of things um, when I read online about people starting a podcast. There's a lot of people kind of run out of steam at around 7 or 8. So I was pretty... I didn't know if we were actually going to make it to 10. So kind of exciting. Considering I drive a lot longer than you do. I had my doubts, too. But here we are with episode 10. And like I say, it's going on. It's going... It's rocking and rolling. Uh, we're getting more and more downloads, and it's been a fun. It's definitely been a fun trip so far. So look forward to keep on rolling to episode 20, 30. I don't know. I don't know how far this goes. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know what the goal is, really. <laughs> I say, I'll be impressed. If we hit episode fifteen. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so how's how you been running this week? Uh, so I guess I haven't been able to play much poker because I've kind of had a lot going on. Um, but this episode is kind of different because we came. We actually both just played the uh, session together at 52 Social. Yeah, it was real nice to be back at 52 Social. Uh, so is it 52 Social or is it now like Johnny Chan 88? I mean, is it... I saw like like some of the names different. Is it... Do we know what the name is? I believe... I thought it was Johnny Chan or Johnny Chan Champions 88 or... Uh, I'm not sure on the exact name. Something with 88... Okay, well, well, I well, I guess we'll refer to it for 52 Social because that's what everybody knows it as right now. And then I guess in the future, if the if the sign on the building changes, I guess that's when we'll start. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I was it was really nice because you know, like I play in College Station where it's gotten better, but we just don't have those nice rooms that you have in uh, Houston. So it was kind of a I've been trying to support my town and the grow that poker community. But it was nice to be in a nicer place. Absolutely. And they've really kind of upgraded it huh? because whenever, because I haven't been in maybe about a week. And um, when I walked in, I was pretty surprised to see that giant TV they had and multiple TVs, uh, bigger TVs than normal. That giant projector, projected screen was pretty awesome. I thought that was really cool. I wish they, now I love to watch poker, but I wish they would have had the playoff game on it. Because they, they were playing like a WPT event, I know, because I saw the Royal Flush Girls and all their WPT trophies. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen the playoff game at that point, but it's really cool. I was I was looking at it, I was like, God, that's that's kind of a neat addition to this place. It'd be really cool, if, like on when they have like the UFC fights or big boxing fights, if they put it on there with volume, that would be really cool. Ooh, that would be really good. Uh, so, it was a... Uh, but yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. It was uh it was nice, it's just as I remembered. So, uh, I, I beat you there by a little bit. It, but I tell you what, I have and I love Fifty Two Social. I think it's just a nice place to play. I have the worst luck drawing tables with annoying nitty people at this. And I tell you what, the minute I got to this table. This guy starts bitching, and I'm like, God almighty, why? How, how? like, every time I come to 52 Social, am I next to the guy who's just an ass to everybody? <laughs> so, I, you know, I play on headphones with headphones every now and then. I usually just have them as a backup. 
I was like, well, let me see how it goes. Three minutes in, when he started talking to me, and I realized exactly where this was going to go, the headphones went in. Uh, but I will say, at least he was not, like, an asshole and nitty. He was an asshole. Uh, well, yeah, kind of an asshole. But he was an asshole, and he was spewy. So I would much rather have you, if you're going to be an uh, ass, be spewy. <laughs> I mean, well, because what ended up happening is, you know, whenever someone plays like that, they end up, you know, going home. Yeah, they either end up going home or, you know, it's a buying in just over and over again. So I kind of love that. So when I saw him get up, I didn't have any idea what was going on. I just saw a player bust out. So I was like, oh, I'll go get a quick table change. Because a lot of the times when we play at 52, we don't really get to play at the same table, which isn't normally a bad thing. But now that you're playing so much in College Station, I was like, oh, I should maybe jump over there just so we can maybe be at the same table. Yeah, I kind of, well, I saw you start over there, and I was like, well, this table is fairly decent. I almost went over there, but they it looked like that your table was full when it first started. But uh, I bet you were so, like, weirded out by getting such a grand welcome when you got there, because everybody was like, man, you uh, you got that seat, and everybody was kind of relieved that person. I think everybody liked having them because it was free money. But at the same token, there's a certain point where it's just not worth it to some people. Especially that guy to my left when I sat down, that younger guy. He was, I guess, did the player say something to the dealer or something? Because he was talking about that. I thought that might have been interesting. Did he, like, go off on one of the dealers or something? That's what he was kind of saying. He kind of went off on the dealer when I got there. But, I mean, I will say this. Uh, like, he never, he was never horridly disrespectful for the dealer. Actually, even calling him an ass was, is probably, like, a, going a little too far. Uh, he was never blatantly disrespectful. He complained a lot to the dealers. But he would just do random stuff and just talk, like, just talk massive crap when he's, I mean, he's losing. It, I mean, the brush girls probably got better calves just bringing him money. Because, I mean, he's rebuying and he's talking just massive crap. He would, like, overbet the pot by three to four times the pot and be like, I'm bluffing you. And I'm like, okay, you're going to bluff me with that. I mean, not calling. <laughs> and then he, and then he's like, he'd show down, like, two pair when he when he did the same thing and all that. So it's, uh, and he's like, ha ha, I got it. I'm like, it's, I've never seen anybody get less value out of that, uh, out of an amazing flop. I mean, I didn't tell him that. I'm not going to sit there and teach someone how to play right good poker. But uh, it was... He was a character, I guess. I don't. I don't know. I put in the headphones, and I just didn't. Kind of ignored it. But I enjoyed busting him out. Oh, did you bust him out? I'm the one who busted him out. I saw him hit the table. That's what got my attention to go over there. How, was he just on a flush draw? No. Uh, now let me see this. There was a guy in in front of me. You, you remember that older guy? Yes. He's okay. That guy was nitty as hell. And I tell you what. That guy just kept betting into him, and he kept calling with everything, and just was, I mean, he took probably 80% of his stack, but the last 20%, I have king, ten of diamonds, and I hear him talk to, I have my headphones on, but they're off. So I hear him tell the kid, like, he's like, he's, he's a passive, he's, I'll just, I'll just bet him off of anything. (laughs) So I have king, ten of diamonds, the kid, uh, the flop is the diamond flush, like, with the Ace of Diamonds. So I flop these stone-cold nuts. Uh, so, so, I mean, there's no skill whatsoever in this, but it still felt good. The uh, So the kid checks, 
I'm like, I check. I'm, I check because I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. And then he pauses for a sec, and then he's like, I'm all in. And the kid, uh, the kid folds, and then I obviously snap call and just show down Kington of Diamonds. And to his credit, I mean, he's like, well, you flopped it and all that. So, I mean, he, like I say, he wasn't the worst, but God almighty, he was just talking such massive crap that, I mean, it was, I guess, whatever. If you're going to spew off chips, you can talk whatever. Well, I mean, I definitely kind of got that vibe when I, when I walked over there and people were taking their headphones out. Oh, yeah. The entire table had their headphones in. And then you got over there. I took mine out. Uh, the guy who was uh, talking to us took his out. The woman talk, took hers out. So, I mean, you can tell when there's that one player that everybody kind of likes playing with because it's the money. But with the minute they leave, I mean, because it was a fun game after that. Oh, it was a really good game after that. I was so surprised, though, that people across the table put their headphones in for this guy. <laughs> Because when I started taking their headphones out, and I've played with her before, I know she normally just you know sits there and doesn't really talk or anything like that. For her to put her headphones in, I was thinking it must have been bad. Oh, it was. It was. It was definitely. It was definitely headphone worthy. If you had them, you were using them. I'll, I'll <laughs> say it's that bad. Uh, so, but uh, it was after they left. Here's the thing: it was still a really good game because any raise, almost no preflop raises took anything down. Every, if you notice, everything was getting called. Uh, so it was still a kind of an action game. Uh, you know, the worst player at the table left, but, you know, that's okay. I mean, it was... And then I I felt like... I always kind of enjoyed BSing with the other players at the table. I thought there were some pretty cool players there, so it was really a fun time. Super cool players. Um, I had played with that guy before, but I didn't really... Um, he was across the table, so I didn't really talk to him. I recognized him whenever I sat down. I know he's actually a pretty good player because I've played with him probably less than five times, but I'd recognize him from my last session I played. Uh, he was at the table. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, so, I was real... And then, like, the thing that probably made it best is we were both profitable. Yeah, and it was kind of crazy because right when I sat down, I was like, you have big shoes to fill. And then I went... <laughs> I played two hands in probably, what, the first hour, hour and a half, and both hands, I just went runner, runner, and I was like, hmm, this is, feels so scummy when I had to turn over the hand whenever I ended up turning a gut shot and then hitting it. So, oh, yeah. It's, uh, so, I was, let me see if the any hands that become to my hand be, uh, probably the most interesting hand. Okay, so you know I'm not good at bluffing. That is a leak in my game. So... I have eight nine of spades. I raise preflop because everything's just getting like called to no end. I raise it to I believe twenty and get three collars. So it comes king high. And two players check to me. There's one behind me. I mean king high you could see bet, but I typically don't. I'm not in favor of a ton of c bets on a multi way board with four players in it. Uh, and then I had like I had a lot of equity I could turn, so I check it to the lady. I'm. Do you agree with the C bet? I can see you wanting to say something. Uh, I always kind of like the down bet on on those kind of boards because whenever I have it, I can down bet, and then whenever I don't, I can down bet. But the one thing that you said was bluffing into those multi-way pots and just burning money. Hundred percent true. I've kind of cut that out uh, in the heads up or three-handed. I'll do the down bet or C bet, but completely agree with that. Whenever it's 
four to five handed, there's no point to even really do the C bet. Yeah, when it checks to me, I the uh, yeah, I definitely if it's three people in the pot, including me, I think I'm betting that almost every time. Maybe not every time, but a good portion. Uh, well, that and the fact that I could turn so much equity. So when I check, the turn is nothing that helps me, but it is a queen, which I feel is kind of a good card for me because I could have ace-queen here. I could have, you know, queen-jack. I, uh, I could have a lot of queens here where I didn't, I missed the flop, checked the flop, and hit the queen, uh, especially when it checks over to me again. And I go ahead and bet. I bet 50 into a pot of, like, 80. I definitely like the check there because... Um, or, sorry, not the check. I like the bet there when check two. Because, as we said, you know, everyone on the flop is checking to the preflop raiser most of the time. So, when they check you the second time, that really kind of shows their range. Right? Because if you check through on the flop and then they check through on the turn again, really feel like... It's almost a mandatory bet for you. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. Because, well, here's the thing, is they would check the king on the flop, because that's the preflop raiser, re right. regardless. So, the and now they have shown no strength. A queen, a lot of times, are going to bet here. I mean, I'm not checking that many kings in, I mean, in a three-way, in a four-way pot. So, when the queen hits, I thought that was a good, a good bluff card. So, it gets one caller... But I can tell he's kind of hesitant. And the river comes, just a complete blank. He checks to me. I go ahead and fire 100. Uh, this is one of those that I do not have a lot of river bluffs in my range. But was it, he was kind of hesitant on the turn. And I'm sitting there with 9 high. I feel like that's about as good a time as I can bluff right there. So that's a, And sure enough, he folds and I take it down. I mean, to your credit, though, that player who you did bluff, not the player I would have targeted for a bluff myself. That guy seemed, whenever he was in there to normally have it, what I noticed. Oh, he hero called like a like a $900 pot with a pocket deuces with three fives on the board. I mean, so, yeah, he, yeah, I didn't, if I would have seen that before, <laughs> before, uh, before this hand goes, I probably don't bluff him at all. <laughs> Right, yeah, that's what I, I mean. Talk about the wrong guy, but I mean, I wonder what he possibly could have had. He must have. You might have been ahead with your nine high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good boy. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he would fold a queen there. So it leads me to think he's probably got an unbelieving pocket pair on the turn. But when I fire a hundred into the river, I mean, my story does, should make sense here because this is the way I'd play. Like maybe. Queen Jack, Queen Ten, uh, Ace, cause Ace Queen. Mm, I don't know how I'd play Ace Queen. I mean, I'm, I think it could be a bet on the flop or the uh, or uh, the turn there. So I, I mean, the story should make sense. So yeah, it's a uh, you know, it was a risk. Like I say, I'm not. This is not a. This is a leak in my game. I'm trying to work on a little bit. So I was glad to get it through though. Absolutely. Here was kind of an interesting hand that we both were at. Do you remember that hand when that guy to my left had the pocket queens and he got four bet? Yeah. So he had showed me his hand because um, once the guy went all in and he was debating. And Wait, he didn't get four bet. He, he did the four bet, right? 
No, that guy went over the top of him again. I thought he raised the other guy three bet, and then he four bets, and the other guy goes all in. Yes, sorry. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So it was a five bet jam. Right. I almost said, luckily I didn't say anything, because he showed me his hand. I thought he was mucking, and I almost said nice fold, because I was thinking it's aces every time. And uh, then, so he, it looked like he was pitching with his left hand. And then with his right hand, he put the chip in. I was like, oh, I was like, I thought, you know, I didn't say anything once. Uh, I mean, I'll, okay, obviously this was Queens versus Aces for the listeners. Right. Uh, I didn't say anything. He was a super nice guy. And, you know, I made bad decisions on there too. Uh, but he's kind of just fine. He's like, okay, he's on the button, so he could have ace-queen here, ace-king, and all that. I'm like, well, you have queens very well blocked. And this is kind of one of those things where I find, like, a lot of younger players, they do the study and kind of know how it should go, but the thing is, it's the players they're playing at. That player that had that he was playing against... I can guarantee had not one five bet bluffing bluff in his range. Well, I didn't even see him three bet. Yeah, that's true. I had Jax and I three bet him, and I was actually nervous because he wasn't raising hardly at all. So it's a, uh, I mean, he was he was kind of a limp. He was kind of a limp player and would raise here and there. Uh, but I mean that player, I mean he might show up with Ace King every now and then. But that was uh, ace queen is never. Even if he doesn't have queens blocks, if he's if if the other guy has jacks, he's never showing up with ace queen there. Oh, absolutely! I was man. I was, I was debating if if that was a full. I mean, it's so much easier when it's not your money, your hand that you're in, right? It's so much easier from the outside looking in. I was thinking it's, it's such an obvious fold. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, how I would play. Like, okay, it's queens versus aces. I would obviously raise. That guy, obviously, three bets. I mean, I do, as you know, I just don't have that many four bet. If I'm not going to have that many four bet bluffs, for in which I don't have that many for our stack sizes we play at, then I really don't have that many four bets, period. Because if I'm not having any four bet bluffs, then you're playing your hand face up. Here's my thing, though, too. That five bet, they were deep enough. That was a sizable five bet. Oh, yeah. He definitely can He definitely can fold there. I mean, it definitely looked like he was considering folding. I thought he was going to fold when he showed me his hand. And then, so once he puts in that five bet bluff. But here's my thought that I was thinking during that hand. That player type who had the aces, is he ever three bet bluffing? Ever? Be- because the theory he had on he could be on the button, he could be bluffing, could be squeezed, that's for a specific player type. Yeah, That a specific player, player who did it, though, is going to have aces or kings every time. I don't think that player type even goes all in with ace-king pre-flop. Oh, I don't think I saw him three-bet one time the entire session outside of that. So, yeah, I, th- I completely agree. I mean, you're looking at aces, kings... I mean, he might even call with ace king. I don't know. It's a uh, we let's go ahead and put ace king in the range of three betting, maybe. Okay, definitely in the range of three betting. Definitely not in the range of five bet jamming. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. okay. I yeah, I agree with there. 
But here's like the other thing, right? So, I mean, just last week I talked about how I, you know, level myself into making that call whenever I flop trips or whatever, right? Right. I think that guy kind of had the same situation where it's like you get a good hand and your gut instinct is right. I think his gut told him to fold whenever he showed me the hand. But it seems like whenever you try to convince yourself of something else that he could have to where you would be good is whenever you go, at least for me, that's when I mess up normally. Whenever I my gut is I need to fold or I think they're bluffing, but then I try to convince myself to do something else, level myself into making a bad call. That's whenever um something I need to work on for sure. Well, but I think that's what happened to him because I think he was going to fold and then last second called. Yeah, I think we've all done that where we've all like kind of known what we need to do and then, yeah, kind of just leveled ourselves into just a bad call. I mean, it's happened to everybody. Uh, and like, but here's the thing okay, 1 3 especially, where you can be like, okay, you there's not as much GTO. You can play so exploitative at 1 3 because people are playing so badly. Uh, in that situation, queens are just. Are they mo- usually a fold? I mean, with a play with a player type like that, I mean, ace king is the only thing that could possibly show up, and like we already said, that maybe that's not even there. And then that you're running fifty fifty aces and kings, you're running at twenty percent. I'm just wondering, uh, how ex- I mean, can you make an exploitative fold with like queens there? With I mean, obviously the five bet jam, but even to like a four bet, I. Th- I don't know about from to the. Mm, that's super tough. But again, if that was a player who was three betting constantly, and then you actually have to see some of the holdings, because, you know, I've three bet squeeze with Jack 10 suited from the button. Yeah, but I mean. But it's different if I'm putting in multiple three bets and you're seeing the Jack 10 suited, the ace king, versus a player who doesn't even three bet. Yeah, exactly. That's a. Yeah. I, you definitely have to take the player type and and uh, well, like I would not fold queens to you, but some of these other players. I mean, we saw you know, like I I mean at this table, I mean there were some very nitty players. I mean I saw a guy, you know, check down a set of aces on the river, and it was a second nuts. I mean, and the other and the only straight that was out there made no sense. Yeah. So I mean. You like when players like are playing like that. You can just play super exploitatively. Oh, I mean, did you hear him say that? Whenever I put so when I was in the pocket tens and that uh, whenever the player to your right uh, raised a thirty five and I called and flopped the on a ace of spades, ten of spades, five of hearts flop. I flopped middle set, and um, I ended up uh, betting, and that guy called behind me. And the, uh, as you know, that original guy was all in for 16 bucks. Right. <laughs> so, but whenever I bet that $200 on the turn, he was actually open-ended and folded and would have hit it on the river. Oh, God. What that would have hurt, huh? What a great bet. Well, like, when you were betting this, I was like, the entire time you were doing that, I like, I love betting into a dry pot because a lot of times, it like, it makes perfect sense. Like, I mean... If the pot is big enough, the side pot big enough, and you have either a monster hand or a hand that needs protection, it makes sense to bet there. Uh, a lot of like players who don't really study the game, it pisses them off 
so much, and they call down so light. So I loved what you were doing. I mean, uh, I thought you might actually be not as strong. I, I mean, I definitely did not expect a set of 10s. I thought you probably had, like, a big ace or something, and we're doing it for kind of value and protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's – but, I mean, you – was he right to fold there? You made a pretty big bet on the turn. Oh, yeah. No, he was right because, yeah. again, all of the straight draws were there and all the um, – and obviously the flop flush draw. So I've been really taking advantage of sizing up on the turn. And then if they hit their flush or straight, and if they check it to me, me checking it through whenever I'm in position. Really going for value on the turn as protection and also – because like you and I talk about whenever you river your flush, it's very weird to call and then donk lead in on the river. Right. So a lot of people will check it. Then you can check it through so that they can't check raise you. Well, I kind of like that because, okay, it's doing two things when you're betting a little bit bigger on the turn. You're uh, One, you're cutting their pot odds down. And then you're also cutting their implied odds down because there's just less in your stack too. So now you've given them worse odds, which a lot of people would be like, well, you want to call in the long run. Yeah, I understand that. But here's the thing is you're still going to get those calls here and there. But when you do get those calls, you're going to make that much more money from them. I was about to say, you absolutely want those calls, but you want them for the correct price. You want it for them to be calling for the wrong pot odds. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, So, I yeah, I, I definitely kind of like that strategy on there. And the other thing is I felt like whenever I first started tracking and everything, a lot of times I would recognize that the flush draw or straight draw is out there. And I would get worried and and check the turn, waiting for it to miss, and then trying to get value on the river after they miss their hand. Ah, uh, I can see that and being that, a disaster. Right. It was a super leak because no they're never they're never going to call and how many players that are one three game are putting in the check raise bluff on the river yeah that's uh no i definitely like betting the i mean if you're gonna get two streets of value and only two streets of value you have to do the the flop and turn and you know and at least at least charge them the max and then you never know you might get an extra third street when they just you know bluff that missed draw but that's a like I say, it was good to have a a winning session. And it was it was a great session overall. We both profited. They uh, the fifty two social was really fun to play at. A good atmosphere, a good table, good dealers. Now this is a hand you have to mention. That hand, uh, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, man, the uh, the one where you re raise the river. Oh, okay. You're talking about the ace, uh, ace queen suited. Yeah, that hand. So in that hand, I was, um, I think, I believe I was actually out of position because it was from the button straddle. Correct. Correct. So actually, I don't think he was straddling. I think he squeezed on the button to 35 preflop, and I had ace queen suited, and I had been three betting it lately because you said you've been super profitable with it. Correct. But I was like, well, it's been killing me lately, three-betting with the ace-queen. Well, let me caveat this as well, well before as you're going into it. Uh, I have been three-betting ace-queen. I probably am not three-betting uh, a $35 bet in a 1-3 game, though. Like, if it's 15 or 20, then I've been three-betting it, especially if there's multiple callers. 
But 35 is such a huge size, I probably do just call there. Okay, so I call. We end up seeing it multi-way. And the flop came ace high. And I was thinking I super underrepped my hand here. And I know he's going to bet um, because he, you know, made it 35 pre-flop. And it's going to be a great. So I checked it to him out of the small blind or no big blind. You were the small blind. And um, I checked the third player checked and then he bet. I believe it was about 55 probably. Okay. Yeah, I think it was about 55. I called the third player folded. And then the turn was a blank. It was like an offsuit deuce, deuce of diamonds. Okay. And um, he bet again, but it was pretty. I think he bet. No, he checked it to me. That was it. He checked it to me. Wait, I mean, were you in position or out of position? I checked to him originally. I okay. checked him. He checked it through. Okay. But the flop that was a flush draw, and I was like, okay, he could think I'm tagging along with the flush draw here. The turn, the river was an. Uh, another offsuit four so the only straight was a very weird like two low card straight okay so i checked it to him thinking he was going to try to get some value with whatever cards you know probably a lesser ace is what i was putting him on and um so he bet about 65 and i was thinking this would be a great time to represent the miss flush draw right so i was repping the miss flush draw so I know if I'm going to represent that miss flush draw, I need to size up, right, to make it look like I'm polarized here, right? So I size up to 250, thinking that he would put me on the miss flush and he'd try to make a hero call, and it ended up working out for me. He ended up putting in the call. I never got to see his hand. I mean, it has to be a lesser ace, I assume. He never showed his hand, but... I mean, you. I mean, you played that so perfectly. Cause to get that much value out of that hand is semi ridiculous. It's a, and I mean, the thing is, it's like it's not a, it's not a play where you're just playing it like blindly and no, you know exactly what you're doing here and how you're getting the value. Uh, the the hand play is kind of weird. Cause I mean, it seems like on the turn with a flush draw out there. It seems like he would be betting that turn with an ace, though, right? I thought so. Do you think maybe he has an underpair to the ace? I mean, like, like maybe like queens or jacks. Possibly, he might have even had just second pair. Yeah, I mean, you it's know? so uh, to squeeze out a hero call from somebody like that. Very much, very, I mean, you'd like to say played that played that hand perfectly because when you showed down, I was like, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I saw your face whenever I showed it down because I put it down in front of you because you're right next to him and you just looked like you were just sitting there like, well, that can't be good, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I was looking at yours and I was like, well, I mean, anything he's calling this with is usually gonna have you be. I mean. I mean, very unlikely you're getting a monster call, you know, for a six hundred dollar pot. Seven, probably more than that. It was two fifty just on the river. Yeah. Uh. So and yeah, your one pair in your one pair hand is good. So it's I don't know. I mean, like I say, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh god. I mean, talk about talk about just getting insanely insanely thin value here. 
That was pretty amazing. <laughs> That's what the guy to my left was saying. He said, you want to talk about some thin, 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 thin value on the river? <laughs> He's like, That's the thinnest. And then I saw the other guy kind of looking at him. I was like, thinnest. <laughs> yeah. It's uh But here's the thing with that whole move and that trying to represent a misdraw and all that. It has to be against the right player. It has to be a player good enough to recognize the spot to know that it's a good time to hero call. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're just, this is one of those that if you're going up against just, you know, a regular, you know, Joe Blow, I mean, if you get called, you are never good. Oh, like against a regular player, but it has to be somebody who has the ability to call that uh, call light knowing knowing what could be. Right, recognizing that it's a great bluff spot. Well, and it sounds like y'all two had a history too. So, I mean, I he probably knows that you're capable of doing that with, you know, just air, right? Uh, I don't remember a time that I bluffed all in and showed nothing, but I'm sure it happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, I, yeah, but your bluffs usually aren't check raises, though. Sometimes. Oh, okay, well, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I've done it before. Tyler was like, it just barrels fire. And I'm not, I'm not, I mean, you can't win. If I'm not going to win with this hand at showdown, I'm going to try to win it somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've definitely check-raised. Yeah, um, earlier this month I did it for sure and got snap-called. So <laughs> I was like, this guy has no respect for me at all. I was like ace, no kicker, like top pair ace with no kicker. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. There's a thin line between <laughs> genius and moral. <laughs> yeah. No, Tonight, like, you were a genius. <laughs> yeah. Last week, not so much. But, yeah. But, yeah, no. But you have to recognize that if a player's good enough to recognize the spot. Because they had that exact same situation happen probably last month with a different player who's a pretty good player. And I knew that he would recognize that as another uh, bluff spot. And he paid it off as well. Except for I went all in for the full double up, obviously. But, yeah. Well, and, you know, that's why I've usually not had a lot of bluffs in my range is, okay, if you're playing exploitatively at 1-3 and people are married to top pair, then they're not going to ever fold it. Because if you're trying to bluff a player who's incapable of folding top pair and, you believe, and you're putting them on top pair, then, I mean, I can see players like this all the time get pissed off and be like, you know, you should know to fold there. You should know that's never good. Well, okay, no, you should know that player type is not good enough to fold. So it's, so I mean, yeah, like you say, like playing the player type is huge right here. What do you think about, so you had kind of mentioned that guy here calling with the pocket deuces. Man, what did you think about that actual hand? Because, I mean, that guy was thinking about it. Um, So I guess, okay, let's kind of say what happened in the hand. Um, The board, was it like, was it double paired aces or kings? No, not at all. It was uh it came out the flop comes out five five five. That's right, that's right. Uh in in all honesty, I don't know I don't I mean it's hard to talk about this hand because I don't remember the action in it. We I think we were looking at something else. But I know the turn and the river are Jack King. Yep. Uh he the player the one that you bluffed originally makes a huge bet. Yeah, I mean, they're they're both massively they're both stacked very deep. Makes a gigantic bet and the guy is tanking forever. And I'm thinking he probably has like a jack maybe. 
I mean, uh, like he's asked, he's like, "Do you have a five? Really? When he asked that, I thought I was like, "Is this guy about to fold a king?" Well, no, actually, I do remember that guy, the uh, the guy who's putting the bluff in on the river. He actually raised really big preflop and got me out of the hand. Okay. So I was putting him on. I kind of put him either on aces or ace king. I thought whenever the river was the king, it was the perfect bluff spot for him because I was calling nothing. Yeah. Personally. So yeah, it was when he bets all in, and I'm like trying to figure out what that guy has. I mean, and he calls and he shows deuces, and he's good. I am just thrown because I mean. I don't know what you're beating there besides a stone-cold bluff. I mean, but that being said, I mean, if you felt that was good on the flop and it goes all the way down, it's probably the right call. Because, I mean, nothing... Well, I don't know. I mean... Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of tough. Because even if that guy's betting... Oh, I mean, he raised pre-flop. The overcards hit his range. He's got pocket pairs over deuces. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean... You think it's a spot where just a not that great player just didn't know enough to fold and ended up just you know getting lucky? Hundred percent. I think it was a player who flopped a full house and just incapable of folding a full house. Like you talk about all the time, so many players at um, one three will just has that have has a tolerance to where they cannot fold the hand. Yeah, I mean if you, like. And I think this is huge in getting value and not bluffing and getting value. Because if you're putting them on a big enough hand that they're just incapable of folding, you should never be bluffing. If they're just their threshold for folding is not there. And then here's the other thing is there's, there's a threshold where they're never going to call. Like if they're never going to call with ace high, then in $100 pots and you think they have ace high and you have jack high you should be at least be throwing 10 and 15 dollars in there and making them make that ace high call absolutely and so but yeah it was a a good session i hear there are some new poker rooms coming man so we talked to that one guy who told you about the room in san antonio but then we'll talk about that here in a second but when i was whenever uh, i was texting earlier today and we were deciding where we were going to play we actually saw the hideaway in Cyprus was on Poker Atlas, and when we were driving to Fifty Two, they actually had a game running, is what it said. You know, I, you know, a lot of people are gonna say like, "Hey, it's just too many poker rooms, and they're not gonna go." Like, but Cyprus, there's not that many, at least on Poker Atlas. I mean, I'm sure there's games around there, hit and miss, but that's kind of a dead area, right? I mean, that I think they could do pretty well. Well, and here's the other thing. A lot of those rooms over there, um, very PLO-heavy side of town. Very PLO-heavy. Because when I was trying to play over there before I started going to 52, um, all the games that overrun with round of each or just eventually just would end up being PLO. Yeah, so I really like the location. Now, yeah, I also work in Cyprus, so it's just convenient for me. So I will say I will be checking this out, and I believe we said the grand opening was going to be Friday. It's got a like a pretty decent tournament to kind of do a grand opening. Right, but they're actually open right now with the one-two game running. Oh, are they? Yes. Oh, that's curious. Right. Well, uh -huh. yeah, because I would I think I would have swung by today just out of curiosity if um 
well, you asked me about it, and I saw like the grand opening tournament was Friday. So yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm glad we went to 52 Social, but I will. I, I mean, there's always a curious part of me about any of the new poker rooms. Here's something I need to check real quick. I'm about 90% sure, but I believe uh, Ryan DePaulo is going to be at the Hideaway. Ooh. Let me check real quick. That's well, going to be big. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, he, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of his, and then eventually I heard him in a really good interview on the Rake Poker Podcast, and then I saw his uh, WSOP run in his car, and I mean, okay, and at that point, I was completely hooked, because he just, it's fun when someone is so genuine about the joys and, like, letdowns that they feel, and you, you can tell that he's a genuine dude. Absolutely, but I was correct. So it's going to be uh, Friday, June eighteenth. He'll be there at the Hideaway. Oh God, is June eighteenth? Fr- it's fr- on a Friday. It's tomorrow. Oh crap! I might be there too. Wait, <laughs> is it's, it? no, it's Wednesday today, right? Oh right, we're recording after midnight. That's why. Oh today, okay, I got gotcha. you. I just looked so, at my account, or I just looked at the date here. Yeah, we're recording at one in the morning. So yeah, it's so Friday. It's a uh, that's going to be awesome, man. I tell you what, talk about opening with a boom. I think it's a pretty decent tournament and they already got a big name coming in i'm very curious about this room man you want to talk about a dude who takes down a lot of tournaments so ryan DePaulo, he posts all the time on social media of taking down different online tournaments you know thousand dollar buy-ins but still i mean taking them down 500 buy-ins all the time he's been running super hot it seems like uh which is funny because i like just his overall demeanor i thought i was like this guy's kind of a jackass but the more I listen to him talk, I think he, I think he does a good job of playing a character, and just makes it fun. Cause he's actually, when you hear him talk, like in an interview and stuff, super like humble and intelligent dude. I think he leans into it, but I, I think he's a player who's leaning into the gambling side, but is also a very good player. Yeah, it's a I, absolutely. Because so. here's the other thing: um, if you look at PokerCoaching.com, Ryan DePaulo is on there as one of the students. Uh, Jonathan Little talks about meeting up with him and stuff and talking to him about different tournaments and how uh, Ryan DePaul has been studying and grinding for a very long time. Yeah, it's a... So I've become I've become a fan. At first, it, at first the shtick wasn't really... My, I mean, I never didn't like him, but at first it just wasn't up my alley. But I don't know. I kind of I like his stuff now. I think he's pretty... I think he's pretty interesting, pretty funny. Uh... So I'll be, eh, I might be, I might be there Friday. I mean, I think that's kind of a cool thing. It'd be awesome if you went and then we could hear how the room is, but yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to take a look and see, but it's a, so there's that one now. Uh, so, you know, me and a friend from work, we also, we go down to Corpus Christi and watch that minor league team, the hooks play. And I will say if you're into poker or anything like that and you like baseball, Go see the go, those minor league games are so much fun, but I've always wanted to see like a poker room. Whenever I travel, I like to play a little bit of poker, and kind of you know you get to meet the people from the area. You get to see something different, and just I like to kind of knock it off my bucket list. There's no rooms on Poker Atlas and Corpus Christi that I know of. Quick question: What made you ask him about the hooks? I thought that was such a random thing. Did he? Well, because he had a Corpus Christi hat on. And then you just asked him about the hooks, and he just happened to 
Okay. I mean, I thought it was, I guess, are the hooks, I've never seen a game. So are they, is, is it giant in Corpus Christi? Well, I wouldn't say it's giant, but I mean, I didn't really ask him about the hooks. I just mentioned, I, I saw the Corpus Christi. I was like, are you from Corpus Christi? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, well, me and a friend go down there and see that minor league team. So I wasn't really asking about it. I was just, I knew he was from Corpus. So I just kind of, and we spent some time down there. So I was just kind of making conversation that way. Oh, yeah, because he jumped all over whenever you brought up the hook. So that's why I thought maybe he had. I didn't know if he, I was trying to see his hat, if he had a hook's hat by some chance. Well, I think they are pretty big down there because, you know, Corpus Christi, they have no, you know, major league teams of their own. And that stadium's like one of the, it's rated like one of the best minor league stadiums in America. So it's a, so yeah, it's, it's, I guess they are kind of big down there. But I just found it interesting. Okay, so it's already kind of jumped topics on you, but okay. So what did he tell you about one of the card rooms? Oh, so he, so I'm like asking, so I was asking him if uh, there's any poker rooms. He's like, yeah, I was about to tell you, and uh, he brings up this poker nights, uh, poker nights with a K, like the knight, you know, in shining armor. Yeah, because at first I thought it was just like poker nights, you know. At night playing poker. Right, I thought poker like poker night in America is what I was thinking. Oh yeah, no kidding. Uh, so uh, that is now a place I'm definitely want to go check out because I I really enjoy our trip the trips to Corpus Christi and I definitely have been looking for a place to play when I'm down there. So I think that will be a lot of fun. But I mean to check this place out. I mean I was looking at the pictures that they had. It looked really nice and um, he had a ton of good reviews about it. He said that you had to come check it out if you were looking for a room. It was the place to be. I mean... That's what he made I, it sound like. I mean, it seems like there's only about one there. So I <laughs> can't imagine... I, I don't think the competition's going to be that huge. He didn't mention any other places, so I'm sure there's probably like two or three other... Maybe one or two others, but yeah, I got the feeling that that was the kind of the place around there. Absolutely. Um, are you going to play any poker anymore uh, like tomorrow? Any chance Thursday? Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, definitely not. The wife works nights uh, Thursday. Uh, may I might be playing a little bit Friday. So I mean, I actually might come and play that the hideaway game. I have to see how things pan out, but that would be a lot of fun. My hope is I get if everything goes my way, I'll be playing tomorrow at some point. I'm not sure where yet, but probably fifty two. Well, hopefully the cards run good and. We have some good stories for tomorrow, for the next week. Next week, absolutely. This is the Texas Poker Podcast. This concludes episode 10. We'll see you guys next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.